You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this episode, episode 12 of Mission Possible, How Everyday Ordinary Christians Become World Changers. In this episode, we're going to look at changing your mission worldview, which eventually will change your church. You see, effective outreach begins by your outreach culture and the culture of your church. Now, let's look at this idea of culture. Culture is defined as development, improvement, or refinement of the mind. That is, the way you think. That's the dictionary definition of culture. The refinement of your mind, the way you think. Now, we go from dictionary to the New Testament. Romans 12 Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will or the desire of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's talk about that. Let's think about that. What is the will of God? Well, it was exemplified by Jesus. Luke 19.10 speaks to purpose. It tells the purpose that Jesus had on his mind. Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so, there is how Jesus thinks. This is how Jesus wants us as Christians to think. So, culture includes the training or refinement of the mind, our interests, our priorities, our tasks, our performance. Think about this. Jesus spent most of his time modeling and teaching. He taught the culture of the kingdom of God, which is not like this world. Jesus invested years of his life into a few people. And from a human perspective, it didn't make sense. To many, it may have looked like a failure. For us, it may seem like a strange approach, but Jesus made it clear. His kingdom is not like this world. It is not of this world. So by sharing the kingdom culture, primarily with a dozen ordinary people, Jesus launched the most effective movement in history. 
So what can you learn from Jesus? Basically, the culture of the kingdom is meet a need, build a relationship, and share your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do that with people in need, you are reaching what's called the low-hanging fruit of the harvest, that which is easiest to get first. So when you see a need, you see an opportunity. Now, the antithesis is Jesus' teaching. It is easier, he said, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 19.24. What's that all about? Perception of known need. Now, we're in a materialistic society, and we have in our world today just false security everywhere. Security in things that don't last. That's the value of a recession. That's the meaning of a pandemic. Political gridlock, conflict, riots, the death of a loved one, they all get our attention. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. So, let's talk about outreach. There are two ways we can do outreach, or what we think is outreach. One is centripetal. The word centripetal means suck toward the center. It is the you-all-come so-called mission of many churches. It is like water going down the drain. Well, the opposite is centrifugal. You can look at the scripture and you can see two different approaches. Actually, both of them are biblical. In the Old Testament, the concept was primarily centripetal. In the New Testament, Jesus changed that, much to the challenge of the religious leaders of the day, to being centrifugal. In the Old Testament, it was you all come. For example, Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, all you good followers of God. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Not wrong, just not everything. It's all about you, those who are present in worship. And that's okay for those who are present in worship. But there's more. There's another side. There's the centrifugal that goes out. Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us 
and bless us, make his face shine upon us. And then it, the answer to the question why, that your way may be known upon the whole earth. Your saving power stretch out to all the nations. You see, there's the come and then go. So, let's talk about some outreach strategies. The first one I want to talk about is the waiter and waitress outreach strategy. So, okay, you go out to eat at a restaurant. The first hurdle is what I suggest next. Ask the waiter or waitress their name if they don't have it on a badge on their shirt. And let's say your waitress's name is Jane. So when Jane brings the food, say, Jane, we're going to pray for this food. Anything we could pray for you? Anything at all? Here's what you will learn, and this is basically a shock and a surprise to most Christians. Our research, having done this all over the country, 97% of these people at their place of work, with maybe other wait staff looking on, and maybe people at a nearby table actually hearing you pray, 97% of the people that wait on you at a restaurant will give you something to pray for, some need, even in that public setting. You see, this will shock you because the big lie is that unchurched people don't want anything to do with God. And my friend, that is absolutely not true, and this will prove it to you, and it will change your life. It will change your worldview, and that is all about changing your culture, and ultimately the culture of your church. You see, most people in this world live with a need that is immediately shared. And I'll tell you this. You probably know it. There are a lot of troubled people out there. Even though a waiter or waitress comes with a smile, they're at work, they're doing their job, they put on the face, but they've got challenges too. And you'll hear so many, it'll shock you. You will also learn that most people are more receptive than you can imagine. You can pray for others on the spot. And you know what that'll do for you? It'll build your confidence, a word that literally means with faith. You are a stronger missionary than you think. So this is the first lesson to step out in faith and try. Be friendly. Be yourself. Let me give you another example of how this works. You know, when I travel to other countries where English is not the primary language, I'm provided with a translator for training pastors. But 
I always learn and practice a few key phrases of the local language. Phrases like, hello, or good morning, or thank you, and of course, where is the toilet? <laughs> Even though my Russian, Swahili, Japanese, Korean, and Portuguese are far from perfect, the fact that I try makes a huge impression. Why? Any attempt to be what we call incarnational, in the flesh, like Jesus came to the world, to meet people where they are, to speak their language, feels good to them. It also makes them more receptive, which is the point. It is the way the kingdom of this world works. It is the culture of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is not of or like this world. Nevertheless, Jesus became human to reach humans. And as he did, he taught issues about the kingdom that is not like this world. And what happened? Jesus irritated the religious people. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they said he doesn't follow the traditions. Jesus' kingdom is out of this world, different, but packaged in the flesh. His kingdom is a different world, yet he shares it up close and very personal. Why is this so hard for many Christians to understand? Because I'll tell you, it blocks our effectiveness. Well, here's another idea. Change your prayer routines for others, others besides waiters and waitresses. When somebody comes up to you that you know, and they say, oh, I'm going through this terrible thing, and you say, well, I'll pray for you, because they shared a need or a struggle. Don't just say, hey, okay, Joe, I'll pray for you, we'll, or we'll keep you in our prayers. Don't do that. Pray for them, right on the spot, no matter where you are. Put a hand on their shoulder or arm and pray right there, wherever you are. You don't have to be loud. In fact, you shouldn't be loud or obnoxious. But just pray. My British friend Mick Woodhead says this about prayer. If you don't ask, you don't get. Don't hesitate to pray on the spot. Don't hesitate ever. And I'll tell you what, here's what you will learn. Praying for someone on the spot is a spiritual growth experience for you and for them. You need to also learn nobody around you is going to freak out. Further, that person you pray for will never forget it and will be thankful. You'll also learn sooner or later, God answers prayer, and your faith will grow because he does. You will learn to expect miracles, and this will make you a stronger missionary to those in your social network who are far from God. Look, you've got to know this. 
People today are spiritually hungry. They are not down on Christianity. They are down on religion as they perceive it. They are down on the institutionalized church, or what they perceive to be the church. What is the difference? Ask people who you know are not Christians. Ask them this. What do you think the world will be like for your grandchildren? And you're going to learn that people without Christ are very hopeless. You'll discover that this is the perfect climate for God to get their attention. You will learn that God can use you to bring the hope of Christ. And remember this about hope. Hope is the key that unlocks the unbeliever's heart. Let's talk about sharing faith in the early stages of a relationship with another person who doesn't have faith. Let's start with how not to do it. You ready for this? Don't preach. Don't talk theology. Don't moralize. Don't use Bible passages, which may surprise you. And don't make your goal right off the beginning to get them to church. All of those things are how not to share faith. All right, let's look at how to do it. Witness. Be an eyewitness. Tell your story, your own story. You have all kinds of parables. That's what the word parables means, stories. You have all kinds of parables from your own life. You have your own God stories. So, start practicing telling your stories. Practice what is God doing in your life. I shared that in a previous episode, but it's worth repeating in this context. The power of story. Matthew 13.10. I love this story, and I'm so glad it's in the Bible. It is so helpful. It's worth a whole sermon someday. It's worth your reading. It's worth your knowing, your learning, your growth. Matthew 13, verse 10. The disciples asked Jesus, Why do you tell parables? Or why do you tell stories? What Jesus said is absolutely profound. Jesus responded, Look, you guys get it because you've been with me for a while. So I can tell you about the kingdom of God straight on. However, for those who haven't been with me and don't get it, I tell stories to nudge them to receptive insight. That's from the message version of the Bible. Look it up, Matthew 13, 10. You see, you can nudge people with stories, not theology, not moralizing, not all this other stuff. You don't have to quote chapter and verse. They aren't ready for it. It's like feeding a steak to a two-month-old baby. Not yet. But you, you are an eyewitness of God working in your life. And through stories, 
God brings receptivity and insight to people's lives. And that makes sharing your faith a lot easier. You're just telling true stories. I'll tell you what, this could change your culture, your kingdom culture, and the culture of everyone in your church. So, every time in your church, when a small to a medium-sized group gathers, the leader of that group, whether it be the woman's group, the youth group, the, the board, uh, the, any, any group that you have, okay, the senior citizens when they meet, the ladies' group, the men's group, whatever kind of group, doesn't matter. Every medium to middle-sized group, the leader should ask, does anyone want to share what God has done in your life since we met last time? Just ask the question. If nobody answers, fine. Do it next time. Do it again and again and again. Movement and momentum takes time. Sooner or later, somebody will break the ice. And then it will grow. That's what movements do. Whatever you do, don't get up in front of the whole church and announce this and make it a program. Just do it in smaller groups. Every staff meeting, every board meeting, every small group meeting, every Bible class. You will build a culture of sharing God stories. And you don't ever, ever have to explain what you're doing. Just do it. And in a few years, guess what's going to happen? Church members will begin sharing their God stories with those in their social networks who are not Christians because those non-Christians shared a need or a challenge in their lives. You know what this is? It is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses, sharing your God stories, not as a program, but as a way of life. Make that a way of life. And you are going to have a movement of exploding God's kingdom through your church. You know, you need to practice telling your God stories. When you share a story of what God has done in your life, just be honest, transparent, be genuine. Don't make it a rehearsed show. Just be yourself. Demonstrate that you're not perfect. The other thing is, as you share your God story, you need to accept people by grace. You cannot either verbally or non-verbally show judgment. Do not act shocked if a non-Christian shares episodes of despicable behavior, or if they use foul language. Don't let judgment show on your face or in your words. Instead, live generously. Live a culture of generosity. You know, the atmosphere of generosity permeates kingdom culture. 
Generosity among God's people is a visible litmus test of spiritual health and characteristic of healthy churches. Let me tell you, generosity is not a program, a habit, or an activity. It is a selfless attitude, a posture you reflect to God and to your world. It is about living generously. It is powered by a God of generosity who gave you Jesus. It is about Jesus who generously gave his life on the cross. It is about the cross that generously gives you grace, forgiveness, new life. Yeah, there's no question. If you get grace, grace fuels your generosity. So, remember this. You know, when I was a young pastor, fresh out of seminary, I thought it'd be great to have a bring a friend to church Sunday twice a year. And then I learned about mission strategy. And I realized that's too much of a leap for unchurched people. Well, fortunate for me, most of the people in my church just ignored the idea anyway. You see, inviting unbelievers to church is not always a good first step. Oh, they'll be polite, but they are wondering, why would I do that? The issue? It's real. Why would they worship Jesus who they don't even know yet? don't even believe in yet. Reaching unbelievers is a lifestyle of sensitive, relational baby steps. If you've raised a baby, you get it. Just do it for baby Christians. It is not a program to hijack people for Jesus. Let's talk a little bit about reaching young adult children who no longer attend church. Because you may be one of the millions of people in this country who have adult children who have bailed from church. It is a common scenario in a country where many churches have lost a whole generation of young people. So what about your kids who have drifted? I want to tell you my experience about this. As a consultant to churches, we interview a cross-section of the people, one-on-one, or once in a while we'll have a couple with a husband and wife. And I've had many sit across the table from me when I interviewed them, and I identify them as people who are older and would, if they have children, would have children that are uh, adult children. And so I ask them, you know, a few questions. Do you have kids? If they say yes, I said, are they, are they older now? Are they adults, married, kids, grandkids, whatever? And they'll tell me. I'll ask if they're living nearby, and a lot of times they aren't. Sometimes they are. Then I ask if their kids were active in church, and they'll talk about youth group and other things. And then I'll ask, do your adult children attend church regularly now and I can't even put into words what I have seen on the faces of hundreds and hundreds of adult Christians 
that attend church and I'm interviewing them. It just is a haunting thing to see. Sometimes people break out in tears. And I'm a stranger interviewing them in a formal situation. This is a huge, huge challenge for the next generation and for parents that are painfully concerned about the eternal destiny of their own kids. And they may go on to tell me about their unbaptized children, grandchildren, the children of their children. So here's what I suggest. Pray for your adult children that have drifted. Secondly, recognize that many adult children have left the church, the organization, but have not left faith in Jesus. However, it is true, faith is likely growing weaker. But they might not be gone, they might not be over the hill yet. Third thing, while this concerns you, you cannot let this inhibit your relationship. Remember the formula, belong, believe, become, behave. Relational strength is important. Do not abandon the love for your children. Don't write them off. Number four, encourage them to try other churches with your blessing. Remember contextualization. They might need a church that is in the context of their world with contemporary styles, dress codes, whatever. Doesn't matter. Let them hear God's word. Number five. Watch for felt needs that arise among your adult children, challenges in their lives which will produce receptivity. Number six, share your God stories. Number seven, when a unique and challenging opportunity arises, when they face a need or challenge, pray with them. I don't care if it's over the phone. And that might be your most difficult step of all. But do it. And number eight, don't ever push them to go to church. Just continually let them know how important church is to you. Well, that's it for this episode. Wow, it goes fast, at least for me. Anyway, next in our next episode, we're going to talk about other kinds of outreach, including even outreach to Muslims, because there's a whole bunch of them coming to our country. But it might be more exciting and easy than you might think. Until next time, God bless you. Keep praying for the mission of God, the mission of his kingdom, beginning with you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.